0: Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail
1: transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to another episode of Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm Kathy McCabe, and today I'm speaking with my guest, Nancy Taylor, who, after a decade of experience as a senior designer at brands like Athleta and Guyam, Nancy is now the CEO and co-founder at Epoch Evolution and the creative data director at Lole. Nancy, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me, Kathy. So Nancy, you've had an extensive career and a very impressive career history with multiple athleisure retailers, including Athleta and Guyam. So what do you believe has really sort of been the most contributed to your success and your personal growth and career trajectory over the years? That's a very great question.
0: I think that looking at the transition that was happening in the apparel industry and really marrying the athletic functionality of clothing and apparel, and kind of bringing that into a multifunctional aspect is what's been really successful. I've always been quite athletic and enjoyed being outside and doing sports my whole entire life. So the idea of taking the comfort and the function and kind of bringing it into a more wearable approach for her everyday life was perfect for me and perfect at the time that was happening in the apparel industry.
1: So it's kind of your... your passion for fitness and wellness sort of coming to to fruition throughout your career as well. Absolutely. Great, brilliant. What what kind of is inspired you to, you know, obviously after the time that you've spent at other brands in terms of to for you and your co-founder to launch Epoch Evolution?
0: I was looking at where the industry was moving and I had traveled extensively with a lot of our factories and partners across um, the world, and I knew that sustainability was a must. It wasn't an option anymore. We were looking at kind of the environmental impacts that were happening from 2010 on is where I had a lot of open visibility. So I knew there was a change and I was seeing technology kind of coming into play and how things were moving. So number one. It was a passion to do something that was a little different, that had um, a better way of manufacturing your partner's world, looking at it, not just from a sustainable angle, but we call it a responsible angle. The responsible was an umbrella that kind of encompassed everything from not just your raw materials, but the partners, um, the resources that made your clothes and all the pieces that put it together. So that was one. And then the other part was looking at the segmented fashion industry where you had your purely athletic apparel, then you had your dress apparel that was for work and it needed to be dry cleaned and it was fussy and you wouldn't put it in a suitcase when you traveled. But yet you would roll up your yoga pants and kind of shove them in there. The ease of being able to machine wash or hand wash apparel versus dry cleaning things. So a lot of those were driving this need for a bit of a fashion line that had that functionality that was happening in the active apparel, but not just segmenting her apparel. So, would it be something where you could have a black pair of pants where you were traveling, you had a limited suitcase where you could actually have a pant that looked like a trouser, but it actually could function in a, an athletic class or for your hike? And it didn't have to be a separate bucket for each of them, but looking down at a simplified way of how she was wearing her apparel. So, there's two passions married into the, the birth of the brand.
1: It's a great concept. And I think, you know, that kind of more relaxed how fashion can be both relaxed and stylish and how that then comes together with, you know, in in terms of quality and the look and feel of a garment and and how that makes you feel and how that makes you feel good as well. I guess in terms of, and this is just, you know, the impact of COVID also had a huge impact on athleisure and, and garments and a more relaxed lifestyle sort of wearing. Do do you think that's really come to the forefront? It
0: did for us. We actually launched before that and we're kind of at the peak of really building the brand when the the pandemic happened. And so it was um, scary for us as a new brand and not knowing kind of what was happening and where the the customer was looking at. Our supply chain was also disrupted um, in a huge way during that time. So for us, it it was what she was looking for. So it ended up being a benefit of the direction. And I think it really propelled the customer into looking at her whole life and how it was and the flexibility of being able to work from home more and having her life, a seamless transition. So it wasn't, um, it was a lot of things that were happening in her functionality of her day of, you know, taking her work calls, you know, Going to the grocery store, walking the dog, or picking up the kids—it was all part of her day, and 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 a, and a seamless transition versus before. I think it had an abrupt start, a different it had a start,
1: middle, and ending. I guess that was very different than what has happened since the pandemic. No, and I think there's been that kind of transition of. You know, being able to move like from, from um, you know, dusk to dawn, you know, dawn to dusk and, and being able to wear sort of like different outfits along the way. So I guess how did you, you know, it's quite a, you know, that journey of navigating, you know, from becoming a CEO and really growing the brand up to the, you know, the acquisition by Lole brands, such a big step as well. I and mean, you must be enormously proud of that. How did you navigate that journey? What did you think you learned along the way as well?
0: Oh, my God. That's a big, loaded question. Uh, so many learnings from that. I think you know launching the brand itself was one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Um, that and raising children, <laughs> both equal. A friend that had said to me and described it really well that the startup life is a life between triumph and terror. And you have to be prepared for both of those. And sometimes they happen in the same day, which I thought was the best description of the startup world. And it was way more challenging than I had anticipated. I think if people, founders launched it without with knowing what the journey would be, they probably wouldn't launch it. So it was an incredible journey full of learning. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that I knew what I knew from the corporate world, but I didn't know the startup world, and it was the best gift in a lot of ways. And I there wasn't a day that went by where there weren't ten things on my list that I had that was new to me that I had learned, and I had to conceptualize. You have to wear a lot of different hats. You have to be willing to work with a lean team and really move through different functions that may not be as familiar with you and get a grasp the understanding of it. So that part was challenging and exhilarating at the same time. I think that the journey of building something that resonated with a customer, which was really exciting, and then figuring out how to grow and evolve it from there was the next challenge. So what was great is that we were able to successfully grab a kind of a cult following and an audience. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, we need a lot more inventory. We need a lot more marketing. It was more and more that... that Was was kind of getting, I guess, in order to grow it was that looking at how you could do it successfully. We had a lot of supply chain disruptions through the pandemic, and so that was in itself a challenge. And when we would load, when we would land um, a new shipment, then it would quickly sell out, and then the timing was sometimes delayed two or three months because of that. And then the war broke out, where most of our production was in Europe at the same time, so that also affected our supply chain during that time. So it was a very bumpy um, ride of trying to figure out how we maneuver through all of the brick walls that were put in front of us. Um, so that journey was great. And then we got to a place where we really were looking for a partner that could help us grow and somebody that could bring in the resources that we were um, really challenged on from the you know, the marketing team and having a broader reach of where we knew the brand could go and so at that time, um, Lily Brands was a great partner that would offer those um, support systems to us. And it's been an exciting partnership journey to see where the brand can go with the support of um, support of a, a larger company behind us.
1: <laughs> and perhaps not wearing, although you are, have different roles, but not wearing quite so many hats, I guess it's, it must be nice to you um, as a as the ceo of a startup i, pr- I know that journey <laughs> currently very um in, in real life at the moment so it's uh, yeah it's very much a, a bit of a roller coaster ride at times but um and i guess you know following that acquisition which was such a you know a huge moment um how do you now sort of look at balancing that role between being a ceo and a co-founder but, and then also being sort of like the creative director at lola brands
0: Right. So the brands have a lot of synergy and um, I'm very familiar with in the footprint of both. And the idea was to do a price differentiation within their brand portfolio. So really have a great team. It doesn't happen alone. So you have a team that supports um, all the design and the product development and um, balancing out the pipeline calendar is, uh, is probably the bigger challenge of figuring out the delivery and timelines and then how we go about it. So we, as a startup and a direct-to-customer business with EPOC, could deliver and drop products when we received them. We weren't really relegated to a wholesale calendar or a schedule. And with the uh, brands, there is the mix of both of them, and they do do a, a quite a large wholesale business. So your timelines become not your own and a, a, a very different with that. Um, the interesting shift that we're seeing in the apparel, even with wholesale, is that the Retail buyers want newness more often so that you do have more flexibility of when you drop your collections. So you can work closer to your pipeline calendar versus 18 months or two months out or two years out. Um, So that was a benefit that it just kind of has shifted within the industry. But I would say the biggest struggle is really in figuring out the team and then how the pipeline and the flow of both brands work. And currently, because of the slightly different structures, it's not that much of a problem. Loli sits on a faster, like an earlier timeline. And then as soon as we finish that delivery, then we work on focus on that side.
1: Do you have sort of like key moments, you know, or key changes that you've seen in terms of coming together with Loli? Right. The, I would say sustainability is the key
0: thread. So we are looking at really driving the sustainability as as much as we can on both brands and making those conscious decisions between the raw materials, who our partners are, how we're going about it. And we've been able to move the needle on both brands um, quite a lot, which is super exciting um, for the team and myself um, with a huge passion. And then the functionality is, is there. There is Not as much synergy, I think, on the color and then the brand aesthetic. They're very different, but I feel like the core values that
1: intertwine with it are the functionality of the products and then the sustainability. Interesting. And in terms of how do you, looking at how, obviously, those two play together, but in terms of bringing your approach to sort of garment design and how that kind of plays out, is that's very much reflected i think in in the sustainability piece as well but how do you you know how do you feel that, that that you work towards sort of maybe attracting that sort of conscious consumer right so we we had this brand dna of the
0: functionality like a lot of times we'll start with the designs it may be slightly over designed but then when it gets to its you know from the first proto down to where you're going to adopt it we do a filter. Like, is it easy for her? Is it something that she can grasp and understand? Is it something she will have in her closet for three to five years or longer? It's not meant to be something that's super high fashion or disposable. So we put it through those filters of, you know, we, we wear tests a lot too, like putting them on. Is it, is it comfortable? Is it easy to move in? Is it something that she can, it's either machine wash or hand wash those pieces had to vet it. And then we also looked at how people wear it, the different person. Like it didn't matter whether there was an age involved or the functionality. It's for the different facets of a life. Did it function for all of those? I always said you didn't need five pairs of black pants. You needed the one pair of black pants and you maybe needed two of them that the one pair that you can't wash enough and put back on, but you feel confident and comfortable in it. Every time you go, we all have them. And so the whole point of that brand was to really look at that and give her those core pieces that she can use and not dispose of, like she, we gave her some new collection and she could mix it back in with it. And then for Lole, the other part is, again, it's more in that athleisure lifestyle. And is it something that's not so fussy that she can't figure it out? And does she, does it, does it again, does it function for that aspect of her life? So those are kind of the big key filters, and then both brands have a femininity about them. They're not, they're not um, your ordinary um, outdoor or just a fashion brand. They have a slight twist to them, so it does have a little bit of femininity, a slight twist of fashion to it, but not so far out of reach that it's something that she's going to wear for a year and get rid of.
1: No, this, I think there's huge appeal. And it's kind of, you know, something you can wear again and again. And I guess that's how you, where you're looking at, you know, maybe emphasising more the function and the feature and the quality over over the quantity so much where you can reuse different pieces and different garments throughout the year. Absolutely. I, I think it's really exciting in terms of how, because there's, you know, there's about that way in which to promote consumption with, with pieces that last and that's becoming more and more you know, changing that mindset as the com- consumer is becoming more important as well. And it's what she's looking for. I yeah, think. I, I
0: think it's critical these days and we look at how we make our choices. And if you can invest in something that's well-made, responsibly made, and it's a core piece that you know that you can have for many seasons and multiple years, then it's an easier decision. Um, and then again, hopefully showing the customer how she can wear it and remixing some core pieces in with the new pieces so that she can understand that you don't have to get rid of it just because it was offered, you know, last year or, or we continue to We kind of have this core offering of pieces that evolve a little bit, but really getting the customer to understand, it's an education process, getting the customer to understand that.
1: No, actually, you um, quite rightly, I think, as well, because this. There's obviously been such a huge focus on, you know, greenwashing versus sustainability in the fashion industry overall right now. And that kind of, you know, that that kind of urgency really to um embrace both social responsibility as well as sustainability and having that more of a holistic um perspective. Um and I guess that comes all the way through, you know, from you know, the infrastructure of garment production and the lifestyle. And how are you seeing, you know, how do you sort of bring that to life when you're selecting partners, you know, in terms to align really with your commitment towards sustainability?
0: Yeah, the responsible umbrella, again, is super important to us. I We never work with a factory. We haven't walked in physically. So one thing is like really knowing your partners and what their practices are. There are a lot of guidelines that kind of come up of, really requiring the certification of what you're stating, you know, making sure that you do have the certification process of um, you know, the recycled content or the organic cotton. A lot of the certifications as a small brand, we're not able to actually communicate it to the customer, but we are able to do it, like a GOT certification. And there's a lot of regulations that kind of come in for us to actually fully market an entire garment to the customer, but we're doing it. So whether we can market or not, we're making those decisions from the onset. And again, resources are really challenging for small businesses to be able to do all of the certifications and kind of come in. Larger companies are able to do it, but when sure. you're resource challenged, you have to make the right decisions mm-hmm. on your partners. One of one of the the harder parts to me were really deciphering what was real and what wasn't, and understanding what the environmental impact was, which is still really challenging. I think, in our industry overall, but trying to get all the information into making the most informed decisions of the best, best way to go. For example, one of our key fabrications is not recycled content because it didn't exist in the mill that we wanted to work with, but their practices and how they develop it. The, it's a fully solar-powered um, mill. Um, the, the wastewater recycling and how they went about it actually was better than a factory in Asia that just bought recycled fibers and then made the fabric. So again, we're not saying we're perfect. We've never said we're perfect. We're saying that we're doing the best that we can with the people, And then we we look at them every collection and every season to see if we can make um, better decisions. So we're trying to maneuver through it and sort through all the information that's out there. And make the most informed. Um, one of the craziest examples is the uh, the x factory bags. Like we have bags that need to be, you know, kind of put in. And so there was a slightly biodegradable bag, and then there's another biodegradable bag, and then there is a recycled, you know, recycled content bag. And then trying to sort through which were all somewhat sustainable choices. And it took the team about three to four weeks when we finally realized that one option would break down into microplastics, which wasn't ideal. And so another option was actually compostable and it would break down and be really absorbed within the environment. And then that was a better choice than just the plain recycled content. But it wasn't an easy decision. And you would think that those are the minor little pieces. Kind of go into your decision process, but those are some of the most complicated ones. But yet they affect every product. So making those decisions for us was really important to look at. And even the shipping, how we ship to our customers, we use a fully plant based compostable bag that we um, still we launched with it, and we still use them as our partner today. But that was beyond just the the product that you design. Have you get it from the factory to your shipping facility? How does it get to the customer? Like how we use, and that like our, we just use a recycled paper hang tag. We didn't want to do a lot of extra pieces that would add, add a lot of environmental footprint. So again, looking at how we communicate things to your customer and the little pieces were important
1: to us. Touches every part of the infrastructure of the supply chain, I guess. And, and it's, it's so much more than just the product and And the government, and um, and I I guess what 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 have you got some key learnings? You know, along the way, things that you you know things are changing all the time. I guess, and are there some things you can share? I would say to you know, stay curious and ask questions.
0: There's lots of new technologies that are happening within our field, and new fibers, new contents, new ways of doing it, and we constantly are trying to do. Our team goes to a lot of the. newer fabric shows where there's a lot of key technology industry and then asking the questions about what's going on and, and then comparing, um, comparing them. I'm currently taking a sustainability course with MIT now that's really focusing on LCAs. And that's a great tool that allows, um, allows companies to be able to do comparative processes of which, um, which one of your choices are a better choice choice to go down the road because it, it is not clear. I think that's the other thing is I went into this thinking that there would be clear, absolute choices and it's not. There's a lot of um there's a lot of information and a lot of choices that you have to sort through. A lot of companies like Patagonia that are leading the way and they have open, open resource sharing of information, they also develop technologies that allow them to become marketable and accessible to other brands um, in the space, which is, com- is completely important for us. But I think that those are the things that we were, were trying to focus in on and really sort through and understand for both brands. It's been a it's been a, a big point. And to have a team of people that can kind of go in and ask the questions of the nails, ask the questions of the raw materials and do a little bit of research behind that so that we can make the best informed decision that we have at the time.
1: Yeah. Constantly evolving, constantly learning. It is, but stay open. So my advice
0: is is to stay open, stay curious, and constantly try to invent and look at newer ways that solve problems. And I think if you are trying to look at fashion, fashion is one thing, but for us on the functional fashion, fashion is to solve problems for the customer and make the ease of her choice and the ease of her day and what she wears simpler for her so that would be the focus
1: no yeah, great and in terms of how do you promote that to the you know you talked about the customer to make it easier and in terms of promoting that that mindset change for the customer around probably less frequent purchases but more quality purchases and quality over quantity are there are there ways that you feel that you've been super successful with that other than you know the the government itself. Yeah. That's a challenge from the direct-to-customer approach of really getting the
0: customer to understand the functionality. We really try to offer products that will um, that will go th- through multiple purposes for life when we try to communicate that with her. For example, we have the one-two crop top. It's a, it's a basic crop top that she can wear with the neck high forward. She can flip it around, have a V-neck, so there's two looks in one product. It's something she could wear to uh, athletic class, and it's also something she could wear with a skirt and go out, you know, for an evening out on a special mm-hmm. occasion. So, and it's a swim top. It partners back with our swim, swim bottom. Top. So again, mm-hmm. like that's a core piece that's kind of um, integral to the customer, and so we try to let her know that it functions out our leggings. I mean, everyone has a legging but our leggings are recycled content. They have kind of a little bit of a fashion hit to them. She can wear them to a class, but she can also put them on with a nice pair of boots and a blazer and have a street pair of leggings too. So it was, they're always meant to function for multiple pieces. So to communicate that to her and how she can wear that is, it's a challenge, but we try to do it the best that we can. And showing her that it's not just one piece for one function, but the, the
1: multiple ways that she can wear it is key. It's key. Yeah. And then I know you've, you, you know, there's been a number of recent initiatives that you've launched at Epoch Evolution. And do you want to touch on some of those, you know, in terms of Andalole?
0: Yeah. So I think we're, for spring for um, Epoch, we are moving into some two new fabrications, which I'm super excited about. So for the warmer weather for the spring and the summer months, we're introducing some organic cotton blends. Organic cotton actually only makes up 1% of the production of cotton in the world. It's one of the largest um, fibers that's grown and it's one of the largest pollutants in the world. So to be able to, to choose the organic cotton for the customer is super exciting. And introducing some fabrics that are appropriate for the warmer months. So there's another one is like new materials. We don't have, we have very targeted materials so the customer can know it once they buy it from us. So we're introducing two new fibers. Another initiative is to really give her quality products and move into outerwear. So seated with the history of Lole and then outerwear is really moving into what we can offer from the higher end level for Epoch and kind of Balancing out for whole fabric assortment, so stay tuned for that. But that's exciting to bridge out into <laughs> some really fabulous quality, out of pieces, um, in that slightly luxury price point. And for Lale, again, looking at that feminine differentiating factor from a functionality is key to us. We are also offering um, some elite collections that are only on our web direct and some of our retail stores but they will not be offered to our our wholesale partners and they are made in portugal and these small little collection pods that are unique for us so you're going to start seeing some of that filtered in which is an exciting collaboration kind of coming from our european partners um, for the brand for that so those are the kind of the big initiatives we from a raw materials point of view We are partnering with a company called Redal, which is uh, not just a recycled down. One of the few companies that recycles all parts of the down. So instead of investing in blend that is new fiber and recycled, this is a 100% recycled part. And they actually take even the stems and some of the byproduct and they recycle that down to um, a secondary source for like chicken seed and different things. So the entire um, recycled. So. That's a partnership with both brands, which was really exciting. And then we are also moving some of our raw materials from fossil-based base on the polyester and nylons to some bio-based and some biodegradable ones. So the technology has been moving more and more in that direction. And so that's another exciting feature for us to deliver on both brands. So just from a technology point of view,
1: that's great things to share. Huge, <laughs> huge amounts of innovation. And, and also on, you know, obviously on the resale, uh, you know, you've recently launched the resale marketplace as well. How, how is that working and, and, and what, where do you see the future? Of
0: I think that's hugely important for, for, for us. We have been with our partner that ha- allowed us to be able to do this for a couple of years with Huck. And it gives the customer a second life. The more you can keep the product and your initial offering into a wearable solution for the economy and the circular economy is hugely important. Give somebody who has a price threshold of coming into our brand at a slightly lower price point of some gently worn items and it's peer-to-peer so that it could be transferred back and forth. It's a great um, concept and it's super important for all brands to be able to do that and look at how you can give your garments a second life and how you can keep them
1: in circulation as long as you can. I think it's a good you know, uh, way to move forward and, and definitely helps with that kind of price point piece as well from the consumer perspective. What, what do you feel that you're most proud of perhaps or most excited about you know, with the future of Epoch and Lole? To me, I, am, I just have a passion of doing things differently, like really changing where we look
0: at how we consume apparel, how we produce apparel and really putting a focus with a team that is passionate about it behind it and making different choices. So being able to get the message out there and helping educate the consumers about that is really important. And not just, I know there is a lot of greenwashing, but I think it's important for consumers to understand and really know, like we're not marketing it just to sell the garment. We started with The premise of that. And we're really passionate about offering those choices to the customer. So I think that that is a genuine kind of DNA of both of the brands. And then I think that the future is super exciting when I look at what's um, happening within the focus of sustainability. I feel like technology is going to improve. I feel like the way that manufacturers go about things are going to have a lot more choices and that will help reduce their footprint. And I think that the raw material technology of how we're thinking outside of the box. And then the new part is how we can actually recycle full garments and keep that raw material back in the system is what I'm looking at in the future and how we can incorporate that in our brands.
1: And I think it comes through very much so, you know, like the whole purpose and the mission behind what you're doing is just, you know, very much there from from an authenticity perspective and it comes through loud and clear. So it's really exciting to hear um, about um, all of the new things as well as, you know, the, the DNA behind the brands, so, which is great, so... Thank you so much. You know, really interesting speaking to you today and learning more about Epoch and about Lola and about the history of the brands and yourself. So thank, thank you very you, much. Thank you, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast.
0: Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.